Hi, I'm Tim Ives, Director of Photography of Halston on Netflix, and this is the Go Creative Show. Hello and welcome to the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers. My name is Ben Consoli, and today's guest is Tim Ives, Director of Photography for the Netflix series Halston. Tim, welcome back to the show. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. I loved this show, and I cannot wait to talk about it. But before we get there, I just want to quickly mention our sponsor, MZ Education for Creatives. Uh, head over to gocreativeshow.com forward slash MZ. And don't forget, use um, coupon code GCS20 for 20% off. Of course, follow us on your favorite podcast apps and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and more. All things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. All right, Tim. So you've been on the show. I think you've been on four or five times. You might be the most reoccurring guest we have. Oh, I wonder if that's true. Uh, I've loved watching your podcasts and, um, and, and have seen so many talented people on it. So uh, it's always an honor to be here with you. Well, all the seasons of Stranger Things. So, I mean, what is that? Three or four by now, right? And then, then you came on, you, I think you came on even once for our live Instagram show. Uh, it's just oh, been- yeah. It, it, yeah, we've, we've been talking quite a bit and it's, it's been fun watching your work kind of progress and change over time because I think, um, you've brought such a unique style to the work that you've done. And I think Halston is certainly like the next evolution of your work and looks amazing. And, uh, I mean, what, what a great show to be part of, especially first one back after COVID my Lord. Yeah, it, it was a great experience um, and very hard, as I'm sure most people that worked uh, last fall would attest to their own jobs. But uh, it was a very rewarding job, very difficult, uh, just the pressure of wondering how safe we were being and um, as well as wanting to be as creative as we as we always want to be uh, on our shows and films. Um, Did you feel like you had to, to make or, or kind of remove some creative decisions because it just wasn't possible? Did you feel stifled by any of the restrictions at all? Well, there, there were some things that we really had to figure out. And uh, back in the fall, there was still uh, um, an issue with using atmosphere on shows. Some, some networks, some companies, some streamers didn't want to use it. They weren't sure if it if it if it was uh, uh, if, it, if it exasperated uh, COVID or if it if it, if it made it um, huh. worse or better uh, just because of particles hanging in the air sort of thing. So yeah. some shows uh, and we found out since then that actually no, it actually deters it and drops it down and and uh, and and, and uh, diffuses it. But um, we weren't able to use uh, uh, atmosphere on this show, and and um, you know. Obviously, Stranger Things, we, we used to use atmosphere right? yes. all the time in bathroom scenes. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but, um, but uh, on this one, you know, I had a character and all the characters were smoking. And then we had the big Studio 54 set, which you can only imagine that every single person in there was smoking at the time. And yeah. uh, it was a very grungy looking place. Um, you know, we think of 3054 as being very glamorous and it was, the people were glamorous and the, and the, and the lighting there was glamorous, but it was also like, um, pretty raw. And I, I had to figure out how to get that rawness without smoke. And I was literally like thinking this is going to be impossible, but then what did you do? Um, well, uh, we shot with, uh, the Sigma, uh, uh, lens set of lenses. They're, they're fairly new to the motion picture business. We Sorry, that's my dog. Yeah. <laughs> he um, wants to chime in. And 
And uh, they also have a line of, of lenses called the, the Classic, uh, uh, City, uh, Sigma Classics. And those have a very unique flaring uh, capability to them. And they flare not like specularly, like, like you know, Panavision. You get those beautiful circles kind of flying at you. Yeah, They kind of dehaze or haze the, the image and make it look like it's almost had like a, a, a light leak. And if we were shooting film, like a light leak. And that really was the best thing I could find to give us that sense of of, uh, of atmosphere in there when we weren't using it. Um, and we had, of course, all those lights flaring. Um, and, uh, that, that, that when you see it, it's episode four, I think you mostly see it. Um, you'll, you'll know that's what I, that's what I had to do. So was it like blooming the lights in the way that like a, um, Oh, what's that filter? Like a, the bl- a pro uh, mist. Yeah. It was, is it something like that where it sort of ex- expands the lights, blooms them a little bit? It, it kind of did that. It lowered the contrast a little bit, but we were working in an environment that already had very deep blacks. Um, and uh, it, it just sort of gave a wash over it. It's not something that, you know, that maybe you would want for, um, for most applications, but it was something that really was very unique and gave me the feeling of having atmosphere in there. And uh, um, it saved it saved the, the, the scenes there, I think, because it really gave it that kind of grungy feeling that I wanted uh, at the same time as having all these beauties and fa- fabulous people in there and horses walking through and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it came out well. Also, City 54 was hard because we couldn't put as many people in there as we would normally want to do because yeah. um, of all the COVID protocols and, and not being able to uh, have a certain amount of people in, 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 in the space. So, that was a you know it's plating involved with 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 background and and um, some shots shots just had to be a little tighter than maybe we wouldn't have but I don't think you're going to notice it in the, in the show I hope you don't um, I, I didn't really notice it in fact um, well just to bring people up to speed the show is called Halston it's a five episode kind of short single season series I'm guessing it seems like the story certainly ends um, yeah, it does <laughs> and it follows the um, fashion designer Halston uh, played by Ewan McGregor. Um, it takes place in the 70s and 80s in New York, and you had just started talking about one of the scenes I wanted to focus quite a bit on is this Studio 54 recreation. Um, you know, we we have these images in our head of what that place was like, because there's certainly, it was well covered. It's been in films and TV shows. There's all sorts of imagery about it out yeah. there. But you still have to represent it. Like, you, you, there's almost a responsibility to represent it accurately, but also give the viewer kind of a new insight into it. Because many people watching didn't have the chance to get in there. Um, so how do you approach recreating something that's so iconic? Well, cer- certainly I have, I have the Studio 54, you know, books. I have, I, I've, got, I've got a lot of archival uh, uh, books that, that have all the photography from the time there, which and a lot of it was without flash or with flash uh, at times. So it's, I mean, the, the film emulsions they, they shot with were, 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 were slow and, and that's why it had a grainy kind of feel and we, we, we wanted to sort of stay a little bit in that in that mode but the one thing I didn't realize in Studio 54 was that kind of everything and anything goes I mean people were just having you know from the stories I've, I've heard having sex in public locations there and and uh, and the drugs were all over the place and and it was just a, a fabulous, fabulous sort of sort of time, and um, anything goes with uh, no ramifications, sort of thing. So, mm. uh, first of all, we had to get a lot of it architecturally correct, and that's where Mark Ricker, our production designer, came in and 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 uh, and took over the Manhattan Center, which is on Thirty Fourth Street, and and really um, 
did such a great job with, with it. And he, he um, brought in those vertical tower lights that have the, the, the cherry top kind of cop lights on them. And, and uh, we accentuated everything with LEDs, our off camera and park hands that were on camera that were tungsten based, not LED because we didn't want to give away the, uh, our, our, our filming sort of um, tricks, but um, but um, the whole place, uh, you know, was sort of shrouded in, in blackness. And that's how it, it sort of was back then as well. There wasn't one thing that besides the lighting that you could really look at and say, I mean, they're the banquettes, they're, they're the DJ booth. And DJ booth played, played a heavy part in it as well, as well as the, yeah. the bar. Um, but we had them all on wheels. We could kind of move them around because nobody really knew the geography of that place. It's not documented in a way that, that, um, that shell tells you exactly what the space is. And in fact, that's exactly the way it was back then too. They would move the bar over here and move this, move, move it around. So we kind of took liberties with that as far as, uh, making the place feel a little more abstract. Um, and, uh, you know, again, accentuating with uh, LED sky panels and, um, and other, uh, uh, putting those in sort of a disco mode at times and choosing the colors that we chose, which were purples, lavenders, uh, yellows and reds to kind of uh, uh, mix together and, br- and bring all that bring all that out. Yeah, when when I was watching it, you had mentioned earlier that because of COVID restrictions, you couldn't have as many people in the room as you wanted. You had to do some plate work. When I was watching it, I wasn't even thinking about that because I didn't know when you shot it. But I did notice that there was a restraint in these big, wide establishing shots. And I thought it was kind of interesting because it kept Studio 54 a little bit mysterious. You never really knew where you were in the space, but you knew you were there because of all the colors and the sounds and everything. But there was still a mystery in it. And I thought, because, I I mean, just seeing Ryan Murphy's work, he he loves wide shots. He loves giant wide shots on cranes to really show you where you are. Not doing that, excuse me, not doing that was kind of an interesting show of restraint. Well, um, you know, if you remember the, uh, if anybody Googles the images of like outside studio 54 in 1979 and you see the crowds there, it's like, it was just wall to wall jam packed people. I mean, they were like smushing each other. Um, and, it, and there's some very wide shots there and we're just, when we can only shoot, shoot 40 people at a time, you know, it's like, it was just, that was a difficult thing to do. So we couldn't <laughs> yeah. really go, uh, uh, with the scope of that, but we did capture that arrival with, Halston, uh, uh, Liza Minnelli and, and their whole crew, uh, in a way that we wanted it to be feel fabulous and, uh, and, uh, privileged and, and, and all that. Um, we initially were hoping to shoot actually up at the studio 54 location, but we couldn't get it. So we had to, uh, uh, take Irving Plaza over, um, down, down in the village, uh, to do four exteriors, um, there. We did do, um, uh, at the Versailles location, um, we, we did shoot some quite wide angles there. We had the capability there. It was uh, interior, but the place the, was uh, immaculate and, and, and beautiful. And that's where we, you know, we pull off those wide shots. And I think we did it in some other places, too, whatever we could. We, you know, we, we enjoyed those for sure. Oh, yeah. They're such a blast. It's just fun to kind of see. I don't know. I'm always impressed by just all the blocking and everybody's moving the right direction. And just when it all works, it's just so satisfying to have a shot like that. So I really loved it. Um, yeah. All right. Studio 54, I had a couple more questions in there. So you're in a space where color is just everywhere. Like you chose your color palette, like you'd mentioned before, but 
you're going to have all sorts of colors on people's skin. You kind of have to just, I guess, well, you tell me, how do you approach your skin tones and how do you approach thinking about eyelights and all of these things that you would normally do in a space where there's absolutely no control over the light? Ah, but th there is control over the light. <laughs> um, there so you go. yes, we, sh we, we, we light the wides, we shoot the wides, we come in for close-ups. And at that point, all the light, the color light that is still happening, still going off is coming only from the back. I take it all off the front and then we redirect with, with the light that's going to be a little bit better for their skin tone. Um, so I, you know, nowadays when you're doing all the lighting through an iPad, it's, you know, my gaffer, Ken Shibata, uh, brilliantly had the whole thing, um, uh, organized so I could have immediate access to any single light. I wanted dim it, change color, uh, turn it off. And we were, we had a 360. We had, to, we had to do 360 lighting in there so we could have that kind of studio disco lighting happening at any angle we wanted. And also so that I could take it off too. So, when I'm on actors in a dialogue scene, mostly in a dialogue scene, um, I'm, I'm just using those color lights in the background and then bringing in my own thing from the, from the front to, to make them cosmetically, you know, not make them look like they're, you know, freaks of nature or anything. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I, I want to like go back and look at stills from those scenes because I felt like it would just had so much color in there. And I, and, but, but you're right. The skin always looked correct. Everybody always looked amazing on the show. I mean, that's kind of what it's about. It's fashion and beauty, and that's what it is. You're 100% right. And, and all our actors were, um, you know, amazing to look at. Uh, um, they, they are all, you know, uh, excellent at, at their craft as well. Um, so, um, yeah, we wanted to, I didn't want it to look like it was a kind of a hot mess either from, you know, on their faces. Yeah. Like I did go for the grunge in there, but, uh, you know, I'm never gonna, gonna make, put some weird color on someone's face. that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, help them out at all. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about the way you approached the cinematography and the lighting, um, to, to show how Halston is really disconnected from people in a way like he hmm. really lacks personal relationships and he's sort of isolated and he he always feels like he's in a large space alone even if there's a million people in there he doesn't seem to have personal connections very well he seems aloof and standoffish and i think there must have been lighting and camera tricks to to accentuate those qualities obviously his performance was great but were there things that you had done to make him feel isolated? I think um, one of the main locations that we we filmed in, which is the centerpiece of the show, is his office building, uh, which is a, a um, once office. he reaches that great success, you talk about like that, that big. That's that's right. And along the way, he had a he had his vision. I mean, he started with the uh, Jackie Onassis uh, hats, and that became a popular thing for him in the sixties, and that got his way into uh, doing the gowns and dresses that he became really famous for. But uh, he never compromised his uh, vision. Um, I believe he even cut the fabric using the silks uh, that he would uh, uh, sell the clothes in versus uh, doing a much cheaper fabric just to get, just to get the, uh, the, the, the style in. Um, he didn't cut corners anywhere, and he didn't do that with his office. And his office was basically a all mirrors, so... You, you could not avoid seeing your own reflection in there. Um, mm. um, so that, that was pretty true 
the office that Mark Ricker uh, redesigned uh, based on, on, on his office, uh, I think typifies what you're talking about. Um, Halston alone in his castle. Mm. We also used color uh, heavily uh, uh, in, in the rise of his career and then took it back a little bit uh, towards, towards his downfall. Uh, that helped to sort of um, uh, accentuate the character's humanity uh, as he realized that, uh, you know, everything that, that he had was being taken away. And all you have after that is, is, is I guess, your soul and your heart. And, um, I think he came to terms with that in the end, um, um, at least as far as the show is concerned. Uh, but the tower itself, where, where, he, where he made most of his decisions and where he made his fame and fortune, um, I think reflects a lot of that inner, um, uh, well, the disconnect from, from, um, other people as well. I mean, he was super close with Liza Minnelli. That was his confidant. Um, and, you know, Joe Eula as well, but still he, he burnt friendships. Uh, if, if, if anybody had a, well, a different opinion or, uh, or didn't go along with, criticized how he was doing things. Um, yeah, his re- his relationships were on rocky ground, no matter what. Like, they're all, always. It, always, it always felt like at any moment, this friendship is over. And there was a fragility to that. And I think you guys did a really good job of representing that in a lot of the scenes. Um, you mentioned two things there, space and color. Let's talk about each. So the space in this tower that's all reflective, there's mirrors everywhere, Let's start with just the logistical challenges of having mirrors everywhere. I mean, was there any pushback at all? <laughs> Did you, when the designer came to you and said, this is going to be the space where you're like, why are you doing this? This is insane. Well, in all honesty, so uh, the show actually had gone to picture pre-COVID and my friend Will Rexer uh, was the DP on that. And he worked with Mark Ricker in, in designing uh, um, designing the, 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 the tower set and... Um, and and gimbling the mirrors so that we wouldn't see each other uh, and see see camera in the shot and um, so a lot of that work had been done ahead of time and then when we started back up, Will had a, another uh, a, a thing that uh, was a conflict as far as him starting and he, restarting Halston and and he, um, he he approached me about it at that point too and I was uh, I uh, you know I had five months off and uh, this was an amazing project to come back to after five months oh, yeah. off. And I was very happy to do it because um, I've liked Dan Minahan's work for a long time and, and Will and I have been friends and um, I have high respect for, for his work. So, uh, and, and also Will was like, you know, this is a great story that has the, you know, we did the first episode, but then you can kind of evolve from there. It spans, you know, it spans decades. So um, all of that was, was enticing and, and uh, and uh, allowed me the freedom to sort of you know uh, uh, go where I wanted to go with it, but um, but Will so Will had done all that work before, and he did a great job uh, 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 with Mark um, uh, protecting uh, us from uh, um, seeing things we didn't want to see too much. Mm-hmm. Um, we used a lot of blinds as well, which were mirrored blinds. We would bring in every once in a while when we couldn't get ourselves out of the frame. We'd get a blind behind the actor to reflect something else off off camera which worked really really well um and um and that color that red color we uh you know when you see that kind of red all over the place it can be at first like you know oh my god how am i going to get out of this without everybody's skin being red and uh and you know we we have tricks for that too but um 
but uh, I have to thank uh, uh, Mark and uh, and Will for setting that up nicely. Well, how did you get the red from, or how how did you make it so the red wasn't spilling all over skin tone? I mean, was that a post thing, or were you able to do stuff practically on set? I try to because do for, the, for the people that yeah. haven't seen it yet, like I'm talking about, like, like the entire space is red. Yeah, and red in mirrors, like everything's red. So like I do with, with a lot of shows, I work on um, um, anything that's off camera that has color in it. I usually put up a uh, 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 bleached or unbleached muslin, wrap it around it so it's not reflecting back into the actor's face. So again, like the lighting in Studio 54, the color is behind the actor. Um, yeah. And I'll, so I'll wrap, I'll wrap it around just to take it out of their faces. And I did that wherever I could um, in, in the, that particular location. A lot of times Halston comes off the elevator and walks through a completely red room. Um, and there are times I was able to lay down white on the ground so that um, if I didn't see his feet, I could at least have him walking through, you know, not reflect it off the floor and take it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so that, that helped greatly. Uh, and we did that in the main office as well. We had lots of white panels just to come flying in. Um, they looked like a, uh, I forget what my uh, what uh, David uh, Stern, my uh, my key grip, what he called them, but they were like those play things, uh, those pads that you put down in a kid's playroom um, that are kind of soft in case they fall down. They're usually colored with letters on it, but his were all white, and we just threw them in there and they're interlocked and uh, and use them all the time to get that red out of, the, out of their skin. Huh, that's interesting. So, yeah. I, and I can imagine too, once the white's on the floor, you've sort of taken the red out of the mirrors as well. So you've, you've really pulled a lot of color out. And they're good for the sound department, too, because they're a little cushy. They don't make a lot of noise. If people are wearing, you know, clack, clicky clacky shoes, they don't doesn't doesn't emphasize that. So they're uh, I can find out what they are and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll email you afterwards. And I tell think you. I know what you mean. They almost look like puzzle pieces. And they, they are inter- puzzle pieces. It, yeah, they, they sort of interlock. Yeah. Um, people use them on like gym floors and stuff. Uh, exactly. the more robust ones. Yeah. I mean, you can find those at like Home Depot or something. You can, and I don't know where Dave got them, but um, boy, they saved our butt a few times as far as like just quickly coming in and after sitting down and we just like click, 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 click all around them, 360 around them and boom, you know, yeah. really helped out, really helped out. Now your experience on Stranger Things, you've certainly represented the 80s quite a bit. Um, what lessons did you learn from that series that you brought onto Halston now, once again, sort of living in the 70s and 80s? Oh, geez. I don't know. I, that's not the thing I really think about too much. I think, you know, when you read a script, it's, it either speaks to you or it doesn't. And I think that, um, you know, obviously Stranger Things spoke to me and, and Halston did as well. And I think you just try not to inflict too much of, um, of technical from the time period onto onto the show. Although I'm saying that out loud, I'm realizing that's the opposite of what I did on stranger things. Cause we really went back and, and uh, I really wanted to light like the lighting was in the eighties and at least in the first season. And then the show evolved from there. Yeah. Um, but this one, I didn't really want to, um, I didn't want to show our hand in that way. I didn't want it to look like it was, you know, like stranger things season one. I wanted to feel like it could have been made in the eighties. This one, I just wanted to document it, uh, in a way that was, um, that was more um, just storytelling and uh, didn't want to put a certain spin on it. I think, I think, um, you know, in the first episode, Will was using um, some colored filters to sort of 
uh, accent that early, the early part of his life. And we, as his fame grew, we sort of pulled that back and walked away from it and, 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 and lit more colorfully. And then, like I said before, when we got towards the, the end of his life, um, we didn't really bring those filters back, but we didn't bring as much color back into the, to, uh, uh, the scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've gone off on a couple of tangents here, but the stranger things looks like the eighties. This one feels like, um, uh, I don't know. It just felt, just feels right for, for telling the story. And also too, I think stranger things is representative of like regular America eighties. This is representative of the super elite, ultra wealthy, like the untouchable eighties that you sort of, you sort of think about and you have in your mind, but most people can't relate to that. So it seems like you were able to play a little bit more in that space. Well, it's not so, okay. Again, it's production design. Uh, Jerry Anna San Juan, uh, as a costume designer, did just an incredible job. So you have all this, all this incredible, uh, work in front of you. Um, you, I think at that, it was, it was for me to sort of like, just film it as, as nicely as I could and as naturally as I could. And, um, let that, let their work speak, speak for themselves. And, um, and, uh, there was no reason to, to put a, a neon spin on it or, or any, any sort of thing that was like, you know, now we're in a, in a 1980s, uh, a uh, 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 film, um, just because, uh, it, it wasn't about the look of it as much as it was about the story. And I think Stranger Things is a bit of both of those things. Let's take a quick moment and talk about MZ education for creatives. Now, you want to think about MZ as like kind of the Netflix for all things that us, you know, filmmakers and video production pros need to know. It it really is a video library of everything that you need to know to hone your craft, get better at what you're doing, maybe learn new skills. That's what MZ is all about. Now, I'm talking about courses in all sorts of things like... Um, directing, cinematography, post-production, visual storytelling, everything that we want to know and need to know to be better at our craft. And you're learning things from educators that are like really working in the industry, like people, A-list people that are at the top of their game. I'm talking about uh, Tom Cross, the editor of La La Land and Whiplash, did a whole course on the art and technique of film editing. So it's like, who better to teach you editing than Tom Cross? And of course, you also have Vincent LaFerre, Shane Herbert, Philip Bloom, the Ari Academy. There's so much there on MZ. In fact, there's hundreds and hundreds of hours of high-quality video-based filmmaking education. Now, yes, you can buy individual courses, and that's fine. In fact, I did quite a bit of that before I became an MZ Pro member. But now that I'm an MZ Pro member, it really changes everything because you have access to the entire catalog, which is like, that's what I mean, the Netflix of filmmaking education. That's what it's all about. So check it out for yourself over at gocreativeshow.com forward slash MZ, M-Z-E-D. And, um, and check it out. Look at the courses if you if you... You know, if there's stuff on there you're interested in, I really suggest becoming an MZ Pro member because I think that's the best bang for your buck and gives you access to everything. Um, But like I said, you can buy individual courses. And uh, when you do buy, use coupon code GSC. uh, Oh, sorry, GCS. Ah, I don't even know the initials of my own show. GCS20, Go Creative Show GCS20, and you'll get 20% off over there at MZ Education for Creatives. Let's talk about filming fashion and, you know, beauty really, um, Mm. in Halston, because 
so much of this is about the fashion. So much of this is about flawless skin, perfect bodies, perfect people. Um, and you sort of have to do that. Like it, a lot of that is in the performances and wardrobe and makeup clearly, but there, are, there must be some tricks that you're doing in the lighting and camera and lenses to really bring out the beauty of all of these characters, fabrics, fashion. Talk to me about that. Um, you're, you're right. Uh, our actors, I think, I mean, they had some of the most beautiful faces I've ever filmed before. Um, so that that's, you know, 90% of it. But, um, but I, you know, I did get my start working, uh, with a fashion photographer, Arthur Elgort back, uh, back a long time ago. Um, and I always watched how, how he, uh, lit things and, um, and I, I think, you know, over the time I've, I have an appreciation for that. But uh, there are certain uh, diffusions I like to work with. I think the LED lighting now has changed uh, uh, the way that that we need to shoot or we can shoot. I used to use a lot of uh, book lights, and now I go direct uh, sometimes. You know, I use book lights when I can, but sometimes there's not enough space for it. But I go direct through uh, um, certain diffusions that uh, I hadn't used before that are thick enough to resemble a book light. Um, and um, we try to give um, our protagonists an eye light all the time at the little, uh, that little ping in the eye as well, which I think, um, I think I said before, kind of represents honesty and truth and gets you inside the character a little bit. Um, the villains usually don't get the eye light because they're, they're a little more mysterious, but uh, Halston was sort of like an, I think he's an anti-hero probably, but, um, but, uh, but um, yeah, I have a, I have a a great appreciation for, for fashion and, and, and fashion photographers uh, from, you know, from the, all the way from like Man Ray and Harrell to, to today. Um, um, Tell me what, uh, you know, you hear this term book like quite a bit and I don't know if I totally know what that is. And I'm, I'm sure there's got to be some people in the audience that may not understand that either. What is a book light? I've heard that quite a bit. Okay. So a book light is, um, let's say this is your 12 by 12, um, uh, diffusion. Um, and what I would do is I would make a, well, can I do this? I'm not going to do this very well. Make a little book out of them. So they're like 45 degrees from one another. Okay. And you bounce, you, you, you take a pretty, pretty powerful light and bounce it into a, a white, like a source, like a, like a muslin or an ultra bounce. And then it goes through your diffusion of choice. So it's reflective light and then double diffused. Uh, and it just creates a quality of light that is very natural, but also, um, just never bad, never, never bad. Hmm. I mean, I don't care. I I've said before that you could put a book light in any direction, like backlight, front light anywhere. And it's going to look great. Uh, it just, it, it wraps around skin. Um, it, it, it creates a very, uh, uh, reflective sort of, sort of, a natural lighting light and, um, can light a, a space up, um, in a way that's, uh, just, it feels very natural. And it's yeah, at a 45, like it's a 45 degree angle. Yeah. Yeah. So the light goes into this and then, 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 then that, that source is you put, you put the diffusion, which is now your source yeah. at an angle that, that whatever angle you want to, to tell the, you know, to light, like the characters. Um, so what, what is the advantage of doing that versus just putting a, you know, a, um, a less bright light right through the diffusion? 
Like what? I don't know if I explained that. Like what's the advantage of, of putting a, a hotter light to bounce off of the, the other end of the book to go to the diffusion versus just going through the diffusion? Yeah, I know what you're saying. So going, putting a light directly through diffusion uh, uh, versus bouncing it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you get a much softer quality of light. You get a less theatrical quality of light. That's really the main point, I think, is, uh, is, is, is when you, anytime you go direct, you get a little bit of a harder shadow. Um, and, and, and it feels maybe a little more theatrical. Um, and it also tends to fall off faster or be brighter, closer and fall off faster. So now you have actors walking through a scene and it gets hot when they walk to the left and falls off faster when they go to the right. Yeah, yeah. Versus the book light, which which depending on the fusion you use, um, sends the light a little bit further, um, uh, uh, and, and kind of e- it's a little more even approach. Um, mm. and it's just it's just a little uh, it's just nicer on skin as well. Um, and of course, the larger the rag, the larger the front of that element, the softer it's going to be. If you just put a light through a four by and point it at an actor. Um, you know, traditional tungsten light, 2K, 5K, 10K, you're going to find that it's, um, it's going to be a little more theatrical than if you bounced a light. And nowadays we have LED, we're bouncing, you know, sky panels into these things and it's doubly soft. It's, it's just, um, it's, uh, it's, it's just pretty, it's pretty. So you're still, so you're saying you're still employing the book like technique, but you're just using LEDs as your source. Right. So if I have the space to do a book light, I'll do it. But if I don't and I'm running out of time, I can now with, with a, some diffusions I like using and the softness of LED, which is a much softer source to begin with than, say, a 10K Fresnel, um, but still has the brightness of it, um, that can give you a quality very close to a book light, which takes up twice the amount of space. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I've heard that term a million times. And I never really knew if it was a, a light itself or a technique. And it, it sounds like it's, it's sort of both, but it's a technique. It's definitely a technique, um, and it's about more indirect light than direct light is really what it's about. Um, um, you know, we've all, you know, we started off our careers appreciating open window light. And I remember shooting documentaries where we'd have a cowboy standing just inside a barn and it would be dark inside the barn, but that, that light, the skylight that was just, you know, reflected off the sky hitting, hitting him was just stunning and beautiful. And and a lot of the, the painters, work with indirect light too, of the Dutch, the Dutch painters. Um, and that's really what, what we're talking about here is indirect light versus direct light, recreating that feeling of it being unlit or just, or natural. Have you ever played with, um, what is the name of it? It's this lighting technique with mirrors. I can't, I can't remember the name of it. It pops up on my Instagram all the time. And Hmm. I guess it's like you're, I had somebody on the show talking about this too, but it was like, it you like a single light source and then using mirrors to carve it and kind of spray it in different spots around the room. Ah, it's killing me that I can't remember that, but it sounds like you're not familiar with it anyway. But, um, yeah, it was it, a few years back. It was like a few DPs were starting to think about it and explore. It didn't seem to go anywhere though. Does that well, ring a bell I, at all? It, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, we'll put mirrors uh, on the sides of lights to kind of reflect and refract, refract, is that a word? The light so that uh, if I'm keying, you know, somebody with a a light and it's a hard light, I can grab a mirror and get a little splash of sun in the background. So the light itself is kind of doing double duty. Um, 
But mirrors are basically a, a, a I mean, the word mirror itself you know, makes it seem it's, it's, it's just a copy of whatever light you're putting into it. Um, so hard light would, would just, I'm not sure how I would use that really. I know uh, it's, I'm trying to find it as we talk. I'll have, I'll put it in the show notes cause I can't spend forever trying to find it, but there's, there's a, there's like a whole system out there that uses this. And it's been a while since we talked about it. And it, like I said, it didn't seem like it really took off, but a few years back, people were kind of talking about hearing about it, not talking about using it. Um, but regardless, I, we don't need to go down that road. <laughs> but, um, you had mentioned earlier in the show, the lenses, I had already forgotten what you said. So let's talk about the camera package and the lens package and kind of what you put together for Halston. Right. Well, again, the show had been started as a, by Will, uh, as a, as a red show. I did not want to, um, change all that. I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, he, he was using the Sigma lenses, uh, and we had some, uh, uh, uh you know, typical Panavision zooms. I think we wound up changing them to, uh, the Fujinons, as I, as I recall, a little faster, but, um, Will had used uh, the Red Monstro, which I was very familiar with. Uh, shot many shows with with Red, um, uh, including Stranger Things. Uh, and then he also used the Panavised version, which is the DXL2, I believe it's called. Um, and uh, we wound up just staying with the Red Monstro, um, just because there's two different color sciences in there. And I, I knew we weren't going to, there was no really a need to, for me anyway, moving forward to to have that. Uh, uh, be, be another thing to think about. Um, so uh, I continued with with the red uh, and in uh, I think it's eight K and um, and uh, and the Sigma large format uh, primes, which 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 were which were great, um, but definitely a, a lens that that is a, a major player now um, in in our in our business. But uh, uh, I, I didn't want to change it up too much. I did I did walk away a little bit from using color filters in front of the lens and doing it more with the lights, uh, just to, just to accentuate, uh, uh, color separation. Um, and that made sense for the story too, to bring more color into it as, as he was growing. Um, but, um, you know, the pan, the cameras came from, uh, Panavision, New York, uh, and the support there was amazing as it always is. And I've done uh, my last three or four jobs, uh, with them, uh, and, yeah, you know, my current film uh, I'm working on now is there. They've helped out a, a lot uh, running through New York and Atlanta, mm. but uh, yeah, they're great. And, and red has been, you know, red has been just wonderful uh, to work with the low light capabilities of that camera are, are remarkable. And, and, um, and um, yeah, it's a good choice. I can imagine for your scenes like studio 54 with such deep blacks and also um, Halston's apartment, which I wanted to talk about because that's like one of my favorite sets in the whole, in the whole series. It's just, oh, wow. it's what I love about it is it's so cold and uninviting, but there are moments, there are little scenes where you make it warm, you make it personal, you make it really nice, but it's like that, that space is capable of really intimate, warm moments, but also these cold, awful, like, I don't even want to be here type of moments. And it was such a versatile set to me. It, it, it really felt like something that reflected his mood more than any other place on the, in the series. Oh, oh, you're talking about the, oh, the, uh, not the, not the, not the one he had in the beginning of his career, but the, the loft. That right? huge loft. Yeah. 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 With yeah. the, with the uh, staircase, like just kind of the open floating right. staircase and everything like. Right. 
That was a tricky one because in all the documentation that we've seen of it, the, you, you, you never see a single light in the place. And I was like, God, how am I going to light this? There's no lights. I mean, he just probably had hard ceiling light. And, and every photograph I've seen of it almost uh, is, is lit by a flash. So that one was sort of freaking me out a little bit. So I begged Mark, uh, our production designer, to throw some practicals in there to motivate some light. And, and we also used the fireplace to motivate light as well. And those were all, that wasn't a real fire. It was, uh, we had LEDs, the stereo tubes in there programmed oh. to, uh, to do a fire effect. And, you know, we just, we didn't want to have it, our characters like flickering by fire the whole time, but we wanted to, you know, we lit, we had the Martha Graham dinner. We lit with candlelight there. We had the, um, we had the sex scene on the middle floor, which we kept very dark and, 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 and motivated off like a single practical. And, uh, but the, the main room, um, we, uh, we, we employed, uh, some off camera skylights to, to bring some light into it, uh, and, uh, and keep it off those white walls. And we also had, um, an exterior window in the back that I don't know if Halston had it, but I used that to motivate light as well. Um, it was a tricky spot, but uh, we had three floors to work with, and we, I think at one point we actually had them running through all the all the floors, a camera on each floor, uh, which I love doing because then the actors can continue their their scene all the way through, and it's super exciting to see them not have to break it up. And I think I think they enjoy it too. Um, oh, that's cool! So the whole to... set, the whole set was built. It was a three floor set. It was a flea through. It was an apartment uh, in Red Hook here uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, that's an amazing oh, no apartment. So that was a real practical spot. That was that wasn't well. That was on location. You wouldn't recognize it if you saw it. It was a, it was a location. You wouldn't. Uh, Mark had had uh, built out those. Uh, he the, the whole kitchen wasn't the whole main floor had an open kitchen in it, and Mark uh, hid that and built that staircase coming down. There's a staircase behind it. That's the real staircase, but he emulated. Uh, you know, the original design of the Halston uh, um, um, uh, building, his apartment. And um, and really, uh, 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 I think he really honors the way the, the way it looked. It, it was a it was a tricky set. I mean, any GP will probably tell you that, you know, their least favorite thing is to light a white room. But um, but in this case, uh, uh, we had, uh, you know, all the pictures back there to go off of and Halston dressed in black against there and uh, uh, it, it was really, you know, it was a fairly cold space uh, originally. And I think that we tried to bring a little bit of warmth in and uh, uh, um, just to just for the characters uh, to show a little bit of his vulnerability. Um, and he has some very vulnerable moments in that building, um, in that apartment. But, uh, um, yeah, it was a remarkable feat to convert what was an existing place into something that literally looked like Halston's uh, uh, original apartment. So you had mentioned there are scenes where they kind of span all three floors or at least two floors. So, yeah. So you were allowing the actors to do a continuous take and all the way down that staircase by having multiple cameras rolling at the same time. Is that, was I hearing that right? That's right. We would, uh, uh, I would try to allow an actor to start a scene in the, on one floor, and then he had to come up into it and meet another another uh, character on the other floor. And um, and uh, you know, I, the first time I ever did that was on uh, the finale of Girls uh, uh, for HBO, where we had a we had a scene where they're running uh, Lena Dunham uh, uh, as Hannah is running through the whole place, and we lit it. In a way, it took a little while to light, but I had her. I had like five cameras that just captured the whole thing, so we got it in like three takes versus spending yeah. three days there. 
and it just free it let her really inhabit the character and i always loved um how how she really just her performance in those in those uh, in the in, the, in that scene and, and especially just being able to do that and felt proud to be able to give that to her and and so uh this is another situation where i was able to to try to do that and and uh ewan was 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 pretty pretty thrilled about it as i remember um um very generous guy anyway but uh um it was uh it was um it was fun to be able to do that and see a scene start in the bottom and then go to the top and the cameras upstairs just getting taking the delayed roll and getting ready to have them walk into the scene and hit their marks and you know when that when you got that kind of choreography like circus choreography happening it's it's pretty exciting one of the scenes that really stood out to me was the uh perfume when when they were um they were oh, in yeah. I, I they're like in this little environment where they're figuring out the scents that are going to yeah. happen oh yeah like i absolutely love that because there was something about that woman that made halston feel vulnerable but also comforted and i thought that was kind of a it was one of the first times you saw like a real genuine per- personal relationship between halston and somebody else even with the liza minnelli character like it, there was something unique about those two and what they meant. And it felt like a therapy session every time they were together. Um, and I also think you guys did a really good job of just letting these actors kind of be in this scene um, where everything else is so dramatic and big and elaborate and crazy. Yeah. Those fr- fragrance scenes were really small and really beautiful and very character motivated. And I- I'd love to talk to you about kind of how you approach those and what you did differently to make the audience really tune into just what they were doing. Well, um, we wanted to, especially in those scenes, we wanted to cross shoot them because it was a very personal scene, uh, written scene for you and, and for, for, for the character Halston, uh, you know, um, he describes it, I believe in the show as scent is one of our, of our strongest, uh, uh, uh senses. Mm. Um, and, when he was designing his perfume, he had to really go back and and and, and use scent as um, as uh, you know use his personal uh, memories of scent uh, to get what he wanted out of that perfume and and it um, it, it was going to be an emotional scene and we wanted to cross shoot it between the two actors so we got a location that felt like a sort of uh, pharmaceutical kind of kind of building and it wound up being. Uh, upstate New York at the, uh, at the, at the Pfizer uh, uh, plant where they were developing the vaccine no <laughs> that, were, that I currently am in a benefit, a beneficiary of, but, um, but um, I wanted to give them a light that felt kind of clinical, but also uh, um, a sense of mood to it. So I, I, I asked Dan if it was okay if we, and then Mark as well, if I had a glass lit table underneath them, a milk glass table, and that would allow me to have nice light. And I wrapped, like I said before, my muslin around to sort of reflect, you know, it didn't go too deep in the, in the eyes. And uh, that allowed me to really cross shoot it. And we also, I think, as I recall, we had a little bit of a move, a little bit of a zoom or, or a move in on each character uh, as they started their, 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 um, their piece uh, the, uh, the dialogue in there. Um, but it felt very connected and we were able to really shoot them in a way that, that, um, you, what you're seeing is them acting against each other, uh, uh, at, at that location, which is a clinical place. And then we also filmed them at Halston's house, uh, when, 
for the first the, for the first meeting, I believe, when they're uh, talking about sense, and it's a very vulnerable time for Halston then too. So we were you know maybe a little longer lenses on, on that one, um, but the the pharmaceutical location is the one that I think that you're talking more about. Um, well, but I mean, in the the scene in his home, sort of, I, I referenced that earlier about how you created really warm moments in such a cold environment. But yeah, I, I am speaking about the more medical looking scene because I think that was the first time they met. Maybe I I don't remember if that was the first or the second. Oh, but geez. that Can't one remember. was that one. I think did a, a really good job of narrowing your focus as a viewer to just the performances where I think the rest of the series, especially the bigger scenes, you're kind of looking at everything. You're looking at the wardrobe and the sets and the environment because there's yeah. so much to take in. This was an opportunity to really focus on the performances. Um, that's absolutely right. And and it's actually one of the few times in the show where Halston is asking something of someone else from an emotional standpoint, a, vulner- right. a very vulnerable standpoint. Um, and he's expecting... Uh, I think when, when she asks him to, to bring him some, uh, bring her some, some sense that means something to him and he brings tobacco he, he, and he brings his lover's jockstrap and, uh, expecting her to, um, recoil at the idea of, 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 of having to uh, smell it. And she does her job and she does it, you know, uh, takes it seriously and, um, gives him what he wants. And I think if, it's it's a brief relationship, but it's one of the more honest relationships, and it's one of the more like equal relationships uh, uh, that that we see. Um, yeah, and professional as well. Exactly, he respected her professional approach to something that I think otherwise would have been outrageous. And uh, but, yeah. I, I think it's also out of his. Yeah, it was also out of his wheelhouse that that whole thing too. So he it wasn't like he knew the cut of a dress and is asking someone's opinion on it. It was about something that. No, uh, uh, he, he wasn't, it was new to him. And, uh, even designing the bottle of the, of the perfume was went against, he bucked everybody on it and it wound up being, you know, iconic. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to talk about with you, um, and obviously feel free to chime in with anything else from the show you want to, but I just wanted to briefly talk about the, um, his, uh, Halston's beach house and kind of the way that you approach that because it's such a drastic departure from every other environment that he's in. And that home like almost allows him to be a different person too. There's a comfort there that you don't get anywhere else. Um, Talk to me about the way you kind of approach that scene in in particularly color and and lighting. Well, that, so that house is based on the Andy Warhol Montauk house that, uh, we would have loved to have shot in, but we just it couldn't, it just, uh, for some reasons it couldn't, couldn't make that work, uh, get the deal made on that. So, um, we found a house, uh, on the North shore of Long Island that was right on the water. So you have all this great reflective light coming in. Um, and then, uh, uh, uh we tried to, uh, well, that's right. We did. We brought in more light from outside and hit a few things in, in, inside there as well. But you have a rich tonality in that uh, building that absorbs the light and allows the actors to pop off of it. So um, that house is one of the first places that he uh, bought when he when he started reaping, you know, the benefits of, of, of his career. And um, it also was uh, a place, I think, that he went to for uh, inspiration and also to kind of get away from from the, the hubbub of the city, uh, it's my personal view on, on that. Um, and it's the place where he finds out that his mother's 
Well, I don't want to give it away, but well, if you've seen the show, he finds out his mother's passed away. Yeah. Um, the dinners outside uh, under the veranda, we had this uh, yellow uh, awning that we, we used and allowed it to get, allowed it actually to get into the actor's skin. We wanted to play that, play it uh, for what it was. And it, I, I think it worked out really nice. But the scenes around the, the dining room table outside, full of uh, full of life and celebration, but then, you know, um, drama as well as always followed Halston. Um, seemed like a center point to his character. And um, I think that, I think it's very, uh, those scenes are very engaging. They were actually the first, we shot the first week. That was the first week of shooting. Oh, wow. Um, uh, on, uh, uh, when we started up in, in September. It's the most naturally lit, at least, you know, when, when you're watching it, it seems like the most naturally lit environment. It seems the most practically lit environment because you almost, it, the whole thing really feels like it's just lit by those windows and nothing else. Yeah, it, it has that feeling for sure. And we were also, a, we went outside at one point by the beach. I think I went out to look back at the house and I saw somebody standing in the window there. And all of a sudden, I, like the, the, the sea reflected up to their nose. And then you could see their eyes through it. And I was like, oh my God. And we, we shot, we did a shot with, uh, with you and uh, looking out the window there too, that maybe you made it in the trailer. It's just fantastic. Uh, seeing everything, the world reflected, the sea reflected in them. Um, and, uh, um, it, it, we definitely, I, I mean, I'll take advantage. If I have natural light, I'll take advantage of it anywhere I can. Um, uh, you know, it makes it, it brings the most honesty to, to any, 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 any building and, uh, a location. I'm glad you mentioned that, that awning. I totally forgot about it, but I remember watching it thinking to myself, like, that's such a summertime thing. Like that, that old school yellow awning in the yeah. color that it cast really is summer. Like there's something about that that makes you feel like summer. I thought it was such a, and, and I remember when I was watching the series thinking about like that awning is like, why is it there? Like, it's so purposefully there. It's so like reminiscent of a time period and a feeling. And it didn't really need to be there. Like that was a, that was a pretty strong art direction decision to have a big yellow awning on that deck. It, it did need to be there quite honestly, Ben, because I couldn't protect those actors from the direct sun that we were oh. going to get fast <laughs> well. with. So, so we, we, we really made a decision. I was like, I was like, I, this is going to save my life out here. And, um, oh wow, good. And I think it actually has a double life. I, I think it's probably at the at the director's house right now as we speak, or going up really? soon. <laughs> I think so. But um, it was nice. We all we all liked it. Um, uh, I don't know if Mark uh, found that or, or or how it came to be. I think that they did have an awning outside there that that didn't exist at Andy Warhol's house, but um, uh, uh, Mark embraced it and uh, thankfully so because it really helped us move through that scene and again able to get multiple cameras going at the same time for performances. Uh, uh, that was a that was a thing that we wanted to do uh, on this show, especially. Yeah, and as a viewer, once you know it's there, you're going to expect a yellow cast on any with anything underneath it. And it was it was cool to just kind of get that little get that little touch of it when they have those dinners underneath that uh, awning. It felt okay. I mean, I know it's like it was, I'm like, oh my god, everyone's looking yellow, but it. I all, liked it. As long as you see the yellow awning, now you know why they're yellow. You no, know? so I was like, if I frame out the yellow awning, it'd be like, oh my god, everyone's like looking like they're going to throw up. I but loved it. I, thought, <laughs> I thought it made a lot of sense and it felt good. And it just, I don't know. I think it made that scene even more or made that whole environment, that whole set even more natural as having that cast. I thought it was cool. It, it's one of Dan Menahan's favorite uh, scenes is that, that, that dining room table. And he, he, he loves, he absolutely loves, I think 
you know, everything he got out of that, the performances and the way it feels. And um, it worked out really well. Well, the show is called Halston. All of the episodes are on Netflix right now. There's only five. So you got to get through this yeah. thing. You, I, I sort of binged it real quick. I saw them all in two days because I just like became obsessed with it. Um, but I love the show. If you like Ryan Murphy, you're going to love it, obviously, um, because it's, it's just very Ryan Murphy. Um, but just the acting's great. The story's really interesting and it looks amazing. Thanks, of course, to your work and the original DP too, which you might as well, let's plug that again, because I know that was important to you to make sure people understood that it was, uh, it's somebody else that started this series. So who was that original DP? Well, Will shot, uh, Will Rexer shot for, uh, I think two or three weeks on the, on the beginning before they got shut down. Um, and had completed the first episode. So, uh, I'm more like episodes two through five and, uh, Will did the first and, uh, and, uh, I think altogether we had a great collaboration here. Absolutely. Well, the combination of the two of you made for a really, really great show. And I appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Thanks, Ben. I want to thank Tim Ives for coming on the show and talking about his work on Halston. Such a good show. It looks amazing. The cinematography is great. And uh, Tim did a great job of explaining all those little details that you know I want to know and I know you want to know. So check out the show over at Netflix. All five episodes available now. Of course, I want to thank our producer, Connor Crosby, for making the show happen behind the scenes. You can find him at ignitionvisuals.com and Dave Siegel from Siegel Sound. Uh, who mixes and masters and makes the show sound so good. You can find him at SiegelSound.com. I want to encourage you all to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where we put exclusive content on our YouTube page. And also find us on your favorite podcast app, search Go Creative Show, hit subscribe, and you will be greeted with my voice and the voice of our great guests every single week. All things Go Creative Show at GoCreativeShow.com. And if you haven't had enough of me and you want to see what I'm doing with my own business, you can find me at Ben Consoli on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Consoli. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week on another episode of the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers. 